Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast, where we cover everything Wisconsin athletics. My name is Tyler Hunt, and on today's show, we've got quite a few different sports to talk about. We'll start with some hockey news, get into some basketball offers, some new transfer updates, then we'll get into some football. We've got a new commitment in the walk-ons, and then we've got a few new offers that went out, and then some updates to get to you guys in some recruiting front stuff. So plenty to get to in terms of those three. And then in the back of the show, we've got some volleyball. Well, Wisconsin Volleyball wrapped up their spring season uh, just a few days ago. So we've got Bremen Kesey, our resident B5Q volleyball guru, expert, whatever you want to call him. I think he's very knowledgeable about Wisconsin Volleyball, much more than myself, and kind of give you guys some in-depth details on where the team was at, where they're heading, of course, into this new era of Wisconsin Volleyball. Of course, you look at the names that aren't going to be there. It's kind of a, a new group that is going to try and, and keep holding up that excellent standard that Wisconsin Volleyball has been able to maintain for years. So really fun conversation with him kind of wrapping up spring volleyball before we get into the regular season this upcoming fall. So it should be a fun and full hap- episode. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, as I said, we're going to start with some hockey news. If you guys aren't familiar with the process of how UW does their coaching uh, campaigns each year, Wisconsin kind of does a rolling extension for a coach if they do a good job. Basically adds a year onto their already contract um, in terms of extending to kind of keep it in that five-year picture um, in terms of extensions. Really not a ton of surprises here aside of one. Marissa Mosley, women's basketball, earned an extension on top of what she already had. Greg Gard, uh, an extension there. Yuri, Yuri Sugiyama, swimming and diving head coach, earned an extension there. Chris Bono, the wrestling coach, Mark Johnson, women's hockey, obviously got another year added on. He's been one of the the, you know, the top coach in, in all of the Wisconsin athletic program. So really, all those coaches that we just mentioned, doing a great job, I think meeting the standard of what you're looking for with their programs and rightfully deserved uh, an extension on top of what they already were. But the one that really stood out, we talk about Mark Johnson's sustained success with the women's hockey program done a great job over the course of however many years now just a program that's you know tops in the country year in and year out you expected that one but on the other side on the men's side Tony Gradano uh, did get an extension as well and I think that came as a head scratcher for quite a few people I did not expect that in in a 
honestly a little bit perplexed uh, as to why uh, he was extended on that contract because the results just simply haven't been there. When you look at Mark Johnson and the women's program, the sustained success that they have, I think you look at the men's program and it's it's been unacceptable, not just this past year in, in one of the worst seasons of all time for Wisconsin hockey, but it's not just one down year. It's been this way outside of a year ago where they had the unfortunate bow out early in the NCAA tournament despite really high expectations. It's It's been pretty poor since Tony Granato took over this program. I mean, you look at last year, 10 and 24 and 3. So 27 losses is, is simply just unacceptable uh, for a team that, like Wisconsin, that has had success in the past as a program to now being, you know, 10 games and then that earns you an additional year on your contract. I just, I think in terms of Chris McIntosh kind of taking over this athletic director program and trying to get his programs that are to certain to a certain level, that is just a really surprising one to me. I, I thought that he would, you know, be a guy that I didn't think he'd expect to be back, let alone getting a, a year extension on top of his contract. Just just doesn't make sense. And when you look at since Tony Granato took over in 2016, you know, you had the 10 and 24 year last year. The 2020 year, you had NHL superstar on your team in, in Cole Caulfield that helped you. You had a 20 and 10 record there, but an incredibly early bow out in the tournament to Bemidji State. And then, of course, the, the loss in the Big Ten tournament to Minnesota. So, really, yeah, you had a good record there, but still an unacceptable result in terms of bowing out early. Then you go back to 2019. Really, no improvements from that team overall either. 14 and 20, you know, not something that you would expect for Wisconsin hockey. Like I said, this is a program that has been collectively over the course of of years, you know, been a very top program, a national championship caliber program. It's been a long time since they've been close to that. But even 2018, 14 and 18 and five, unacceptable. 2017, you go back even further. It's just year after year. I just don't really understand what the expectation is for Wisconsin men's hockey because I think the expectations of that program should be fairly high, should be, you know, 20 and 10 and 1. That's an acceptable record. If you're making a deeper run in the NCAA tournament, that's a good season. But these multiple other seasons, you know, four of the five being under 500 and coming off the worst program or one of the worst seasons in school history, I just, I have to say I'm very perplexed by that decision. Um, and, and I think a lot of fans out there expect much more from Wisconsin hockey and, and the men's program to be more competitive than what they were. I remember I used to go to, we had a season ticket package Friday nights as a kid with the WCHA, and those teams were so incredibly talented, so fun to watch, competing for championships, competing for, for conference titles, competing in the NCAA tournament. You know, I remember winning that national title over Boston College and, and being so excited as a kid, and, and, and the Cole Center was just simply packed to the brim with people invested in Wisconsin hockey and that has not been the case for quite some time now the program is really struggling the talent is is has been there you know you talk about Cole Caulfield other guys that have been you know NHL caliber players it's just has not worked and they have not had sustained success for for years now I mean we're going in 20 we're in 2022 Tony Granato took over 2016 and and really one good season that ended on a very poor note 
I just simply can't wrap my head around the, the decision uh, here for Chris McIntosh. And I think a lot of Wisconsin hockey fans that want to see this program get back to where it can be and where it should be are certainly perplexed as well. So just a little bit of hockey talk for you. I know it's kind of um, maybe not on a lot of people's radar, but certainly a head-scratching decision there for the Wisconsin Athletics in that regard. Right, up next, we'll get into some Wisconsin basketball talk. Now, as I mentioned at the top, we've got some transfer updates to get to. Specifically one that we've talked about in the past here on the show, Ben Vanderplas, formerly of Ripon, Wisconsin, played his previous years at Ohio, announced that he's going to be transferring to Virginia. So Wisconsin missed out on a, a transfer that was very high on their board. Wisconsin was on his radar as well, but he ends up uh, as at part of Virginia. So an unfortunate loss for the Badgers. He would have came in, I think, and fit really well with what Wisconsin wanted to do at that 6'8 forward position. A guy that can kind of score from anywhere across the court. That one is certainly a, a tough pill to swallow in the transfer portal, but we have to expect Greg Gard will continue to be active uh, in that transfer portal market, trying to pick up some of these pieces with so many departing faces, but certainly one that we wanted to keep you guys updated on as he's been on the Badger radar for quite some time. Speaking of basketball, there are some new offers that went out. One over the weekend in, in Greg Gard was for Devin Royal out of Pickerton, Ohio, Pickerton Central High School. He's a four-star kind of hybrid, small forward, power forward guy, kind of a stretch the floor type player got a pretty impressive list of offers already in terms of uh he's taken some official visits to iowa state marquette and penn state but he's got offers from illinois michigan state ohio state and rutgers so a lot of big 10 schools in on devon royal in that regard he comes at six foot six 210 pounds listed as a power forward but like i said kind of that hybrid guy that can play a few different spots and really a guy that i think could be a nice piece for the badgers we'll see if they can keep in that regard you can see he, he's got a good post game which is something you want at wisconsin got the ability to knock down some shots he can he can shoot from three so he can stretch the floor i think there are some pieces that you want to see him work on but as a four-star kid you know with still some time before his decision i think he could be a really nice piece for wisconsin and i think he'd really fit well in the badgers kind of system of what they're looking for they need those power forwards that can be able to get in the post compete play strong on the defensive end, and I think he's got uh, all of the caliber that, that fits really well in terms of what Wisconsin wants to do in the post. Now, I know, as I mentioned, he's already taken some visits. It seems like his recruitment is continuing to grow. How Wisconsin will kind of fit in there will be interesting to keep an eye on, but certainly a good offer for Greg Gard. It's not one of those offers I think that they're throwing out just to throw out and they don't expect to compete. I could certainly see this one being that one where it comes down to Wisconsin in that narrow list, and we'll see how far he goes in terms of his recruitment. Speaking of offers, Wisconsin also threw out an offer to 2023 wing Jamie Kaiser out of Virginia. He's another guy rapidly rising. He was previously unranked as a prospect and continues to go up and up and up out of Burke, Virginia, Bishop Ayrton. Uh, high school, six foot six, two hundred pounds, kind of that same as we just mentioned, that hybrid, small forward, power forward type guy. He's got some good offers already from Creighton, George Washington, Rhode Island, Richmond, TCU, VCU, many other mid majors. And it, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this list continues to grow with maybe some higher power five guys. I think this is one where Greg Gard is wanting to try and get in early as his recruitment kind of keeps up to be one of those first kind of top power five programs to throw that offer out the nice thing about jamie kaiser jr three-star quarterback athlete so you know wisconsin goes after those former quarterbacks that should fit nicely with greg guard system he's got a couple to replace in johnny davis and brad davison his former quarterback so i think that's certainly an offer where wisconsin could 
compete. And in terms of him as a player, he's fully invested into basketball. That's where he wants to go and play at the next level. He wants to play uh, that sport. So this guy is, is certainly a player that I'd like Wisconsin to, to really keep in. He, he seems like a nice piece, can shoot it. And I, again, I think his, his recruitment will just continue to go up and up. We'll see how Wisconsin kind of can, can kind of compete there. Um, we'll see if he gets on, on campus, but Wisconsin would really like to get him up to Madison, try and seal that deal, and it would really be a nice piece to add to 2023's class. When you look at John Blackwell, his first, the first commitment in that group, I, I think would really be a nice addition to, and, and that kind of a nice foundation for the 2023 class. All right, switching gears now over to football. We've got some new offers there, there as well, as well as a commitment from an interesting walk-on piece in the 2022 class. We'll start with commitment from Lee Hutton, cornerback out of Hopkins High School in Minnetonka. Not a ton of information for him online. Uh, 247 lists him at 5'8". Uh, he lists himself as 5'10", as a cornerback, also a return kind of specialist for his high school team, played some wide receiver as well. I think he probably translates to more of that cornerback role. Um, where he has height-wise is probably a big determinant in terms of that. Um, like I said, no in terms of other offers and, and inf- interest from other schools in terms of the recruiting outlet like 247 on three. Not a lot of info to go off of on those. It says the only school that was also in the mix in terms of interest was Northwestern. But Wisconsin clearly saw something that they liked to want to offer him a walk-on spot. He does show some strong ability. He's got, you know, like I said, plays all three sides of the ball. Kind of a smooth runner. Really uh, a good player in the return game. I, I think he translates more to a cornerback, as, as what you're seeing. That seems to be when you watch his huddle tape. I had a write-up on him uh, on Bucky's fifth quarter the other day. When you, when you watch his highlight tape, I think that's what really jumps out. To me, the thing that I looked at is... Anytime you see a cornerback recruit or a guy that's gonna you're gonna be bringing in to transition to that cornerback or even safety position, I always like to see a guy that is willing to come up and make tackles in the flats and make plays in the backfield and not be, you know not be scared to get his nose dirty and and help in the run game because if you're playing cornerback at the Big Ten level, you're gonna be expected to be a guy that cannot or that can help in the run game, not a guy that just is dropping and playing in coverage. I think Lee Hutton fits that description. He's a guy that when you look at it, he's got good good ball skills, but a lot of his you know plays on that are him coming up, making tackles in the flats in the backfield. So it's an interesting offer. Like I said, not a lot of info on him out online other than his highlight tape. But you know Hank Boteet and this Wisconsin staff really must have saw something to open up that spot. So we'll see how we translate, and that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Maybe a walk on that that turns into a little bit more. Uh, down the road, but I, I think uh, you know, in terms of kid, 3.5 GPA, very seems like a very smart kid, very athletic kid. Those are what Wisconsin liked, and, and I'm sure for Lee Hutton, he's looking for an opportunity to prove himself. And Wisconsin looks like they're going to give them that chance. So an interesting commit there in the 2023 walk-on group. All right, in terms of other football offers, we've got a couple new ones to get you as well on that regard. 2023 four-star offensive lineman Ian Reed out of Austin, Texas, Vandergrift High School. Added Wisconsin to a very impressive list of offers uh, this past Thursday. In three, the last three weeks, he's added offers from Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Iowa State, Tennessee, and then, of course, the Texas schools of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, USC, uh, out of California, and UTSA have all been in on him as well. 
as I said, out of Austin, Texas, likely a kid that grew up a Longhorn fan, probably going to be a tough one to compete with in that regard, but certainly an interesting offer. And you've seen quite a few offers go out in the state of Texas for Wisconsin, trying to maybe get a stronger foothold in that area. It's a tough state to recruit when you've got, you know, however many different Texas schools and players that play Texas high school football, they want to go play uh, close to home in a lot of those positions, but he's got some ties to the Midwest as well. So maybe Wisconsin can get in on, on that as well. So we'll see. It's probably one that's longer out, but is, is originally kind of out from outside of Chicago. Maybe Wisconsin could come in and, in and make that happen, but being right in the Longhorns backyard, Probably a tough one to win at this point in time. All right, we've also got an update on J.J. Cole, one of the top quarterback prospects on Wisconsin's board. He committed to Iowa State last week and really wasn't a big surprise. You know, we talked about it on the the podcast before he announced his commitment that it looked like he had two four seven predictions in there for Iowa State. But I think it really triggers an interesting conversation of who Wisconsin's going to be bringing in in that 2023 quarterback class. We've had, of course, four-star Braden Dorman on the podcast. He committed to Arizona. It seemed like Wisconsin was very much in the mix for him, but didn't win that out. Same thing with J.J. Cole. Wisconsin seemed to be in the mix, did not win it out. And the other two offers that are out there, five-star Dante Moore out of Detroit, not a player that's going to be a Badger. I would be absolutely shocked if he ended up at Wisconsin. And then four-star Avery Johnson out of Kansas, who Wisconsin seemed to really be on early in his recruitment, a guy that they really seemed to be after, but it also looked like it was cooling a little bit in that regard. 247 has a crystal ball prediction in him to be ending up at Kansas State. So where Wisconsin turns in terms of that 2023 group is going to be a really, really interesting thing to watch because you've got now multiple offers that haven't really worked out quite yet. And Wisconsin still probably wants to bring in a guy in that class. Now you had Miles Burkett in the last class that you feel fairly good about. You've got Deacon Hill beyond that, so you're not, I guess, desperate to be you know, bringing in the guy that you feel like is going to make a splash in a few years. You've still got Deacon Hill's progression that we haven't seen a lot from. He's still got years, but where Wisconsin goes in that 2023 class in terms of just bodies is going to be an interesting one because you're not going to land a, a top-tier quarterback in every class unless you're maybe a, a you know a blue-blood school like the Ohio States, the the Texas, the you know the all the the big schools that can bring in multiple guys that are okay with to either you know give it a shot and if they don't work out, gonna transfer out of there anyway. Wisconsin doesn't necessarily have that luxury. I don't think guys are gonna go to Wisconsin and and sit for a year. So sometimes you're you know you look at you're making a splash in one year, maybe you're making a splash a second year, but then that third year you're probably bringing in an in-state guy that you like, but maybe you're not. As he wasn't as high on your board as some other players. So where Wisconsin kind of goes, you've got a couple in-state kids, Chase Spellman out of uh, Kettle Moraine High School, Jerry Kaminsky out of Sun Prairie. Those are some names that you could look to in that 2023 group, but I'd have to imagine Wisconsin is going to want to see a little bit more from them, and we'll see if they can you know, bring them in and, and land them as part of that 2023 group. But like I said, Wisconsin's going to want a quarterback in that group, and so far they haven't landed any of the the top names on their board you know Dorman Cole those were the guys that they were really high on in their board and they didn't work out that way so where Wisconsin goes from there is going to be an interesting one to watch so anytime you're talking quarterback recruitment that's always one of, of high interest to a lot of listeners and a lot of people rightfully so I mean the quarterback position is is one of the, one of the most important ones in football and in terms of recruitment 
everybody seems to really pay close attention to those but something to keep an eye on in that 2023 class so far they have not landed the the guys that they've wanted and that's not a knock on the other guys on their board it's just you have a list of guys that you want to go for and and you start at the top and you work your way down and, and that's just kind of the business of recruitment in college football now there's the transfer portal which is kind of a Again, a wild west. I know we've heard a lot about the transfer portal NIL the past week where it just seems like guys are coming and going and it's very active and very busy. Wisconsin could be in that market both as a, a you know addition in, in that regard or as maybe someone transferring out. So there's always something to watch for in the transfer portal as well as that recruitment. So 2023 quarterback spot, still one to, I would say, keep a close eye on. All right, guys, that wraps up the news portion of the podcast. But as I said at the front of the show, we still got some volleyball dust. We'll bring on Bremen Kesey here in just a minute. Before we get over to the volleyball interview and recap the spring volleyball season, I've got to talk to you guys about homefieldapparel.com. Of course, we talk about Homefield quite a bit on this podcast, and they just announced season four of Big News Saturday, which will start on May 21st. So they'll have a whole nother big list of schools Uh, They'll launch 14 schools in total every Saturday at noon, and subscriptions will be back. You'll get one shirt a week for $20 each, which is about 40%, 38% off if you sign up at homefieldapparel.com. The last three collections of Big New Saturdays have been really a ton of fun. Wisconsin was a part of their last one, so they won't be a part of this one, but a ton of cool schools to go check out, and I think the subscription if you're looking for a guy that just likes to collect and, and build up a cool wardrobe of t-shirts into the summer months, you know, you're going to start it in May. You'll have plenty of new t-shirts to rock throughout the summer. It's a great deal. And like I said, 38% savings is nothing to scoff at. So if you're interested in it, go over to Homefield Apparel. Look for big new Saturday season three or season four, excuse me. Give it a click and you'll be on your way to big savings and some incredible vintage t-shirts go check them out homefieldapparel.com all right guys that wraps up my portion now let's get into some volleyball with bremen kesey all right badger fans we are now joined by our resident volleyball expert if you've seen him over on b5q he's got plenty of great write-ups uh just recapping most recently an article recapping kind of the spring season for volleyball in full effect we've got bremen kesey on Great volleyball mind, great coverage over there. So make sure we check out his work on the volleyball team and, and some other stuff he gets involved in, some other avenues for B5Q as well. But Bremen, thank you for joining us. And I'm excited to talk some uh, spring volleyball with you. Yeah, thank you so much, Tyler. Um, I'm excited to talk about it too. I don't know if I'd go with expert, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear some sort of praise like that. Yeah. I really enjoyed covering the team, obviously coming <laughs> off a national title and it already looks pretty good in spring season. Yeah, well, before we get into spring season, I know we haven't, we didn't really talk after the the national championship. So before we flip that page to a new season, and that'll be the main focus of our conversation. But I just want to get your your kind of feelings, overall thoughts on how last year ended with that national title, how fun it was to see as someone who you know, I, I call myself a casual vo- volleyball fan. I know you can only hit it three times, and I know you got to hit it over the net. And, and I probably don't get into it as much as a lot of people, but for someone who you follows it so closely, how cool was it to see this team get over that hump, win that national championship and go out on, on such a high note, because it really felt like that group was such a tight knit group. And now they're going to be transitioning to kind of a, a new era of Wisconsin volleyball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that senior class um, of, it was Dana Retke, 
Grace Loberg, Sydney Hilly is kind of the main core that was there for their five years with that COVID year. And then Lauren Barnes along the way came in as a transfer, as did Georgia Chavita. And that core was just so incredible. And there were so many moments. I mean, obviously, Dana Redke is arguably one of the best Badgers of all time, not even just volleyball players of all time, greatest Badger athletes of all time, winning, going out on top. The fact that she had the winning kill set by Sydney Hilly in an epic match against mm -hmm. Nebraska, who they ended up completing a Big Ten sweep on the year. They weren't, Nebraska was not able to beat Wisconsin in any game. They played three games um, in just a thrilling five set match um, that had so many different tops and topsy turvy moments. You know, it's one of those things. Volleyball can be really, really close in a point, but you might not always see it in the score. But it was close in the points and close in the scores. And for that team to go out on top the way they did, I mean, you know, I mentioned Gio Chavita. She might have not been with Wisconsin from the start, but she played on a torn ACL after she tore it. That same ACL, I think, was her right one for the fourth time. That shows what kind of badger toughness that you can kind of think about. And she ended up, I think, winning a a perseverance award or some sort of that at the Buckingham's little award show, but it was a really great team and a lot of promising players ahead that we'll be able to talk about um, in a little bit, but obviously, you know, that senior class really set, I think the mark for the program on what you'd kind of want. And obviously head coach Kelly Sheffield, he had been to three final fours before that. So the fourth time was the charm this time for bringing home that national championship. And you know, the Big Ten is always a very tough conference, um, but, it, you know, with the talent that the Badgers have and seem to acquire through the transfer portal in different ways, it's it's a very good shape to once again be a national title contender, which is very exciting. And it means that in any write-up, I get to say defending national champion if I really want to. There you go. You, you got that. You got that in there um, for at least for a few more months, and hopefully they can uh, defend that title. But while we kind of transition to that new era of Wisconsin volleyball, like you mentioned, all the names of that senior class that were there for five years. Anyone who pays attention to UW Athletics knows probably most of those names, but now there's going to be a lot of new faces added to this group. But I know Kelly Sheffield, as you mentioned, the final fours before that, now a national championship. He's got this program in a position where he wants it to not just be a a one dominating class and, and, could be, and win a national championship, but he wants this program to be clicking at a high level for years to come. So with all those familiar faces and, and names gone, who are some of the new faces that Wisconsin's either brought in or, or what you would think Badger fans would want to kind of get to know maybe in the spring before fall comes around and, and they hit the ground running? Yeah, so, you know, the, I think some of the newer faces are still going to be familiar ones to people who watched the run last season. There was a couple of really good underclassmen, especially up front, uh, two freshmen, um, who were one was from Poland, one was from Canada, Yulia Orschel, an outside hitter, and Anna Smrek, who is going to basically be the uh, Dana Redke replacement, um, standing an inch taller than her, believe it or not, at six Crazy. foot nine inches. <laughs> um, they looked electric on the attack. Um, Orschel had a lot of really fun moments um, early on in the season, especially from uh, outside hitting spot. She has an electric arm and a real fire about her and competitiveness um, that will serve her well and kind of already made her a little bit of a fan favorite, even as a freshman. She also was dealing with some leg 
injuries last year, apparently some kind of uh, stress fractures and, uh, you know, that might've accounted for some struggles later on. That was, you know, a spot when Grace Loberg as a senior was able to come in, step up, provide some better and steady leadership, but she will definitely be, you know, Orschel and Smrack are definitely two names to watch um, who are familiar. Also Devin Robinson on the attack as well. Another solid um, sort of middle blocker and right-sided hitter. So one of the big tall trees up top, she had a different role last season kind of playing um, more on the outside and looked really good in that role um, last season when she was called upon uh, just a really good player uh, out of middle block. Um, so Wisconsin's very good on the attack as you would expect a face that um, is also good on the attack, bringing even more depth to a crazy front line and has been kind of my surprise so far um, of the spring is Caroline Crawford. Uh, she is a transfer from Kansas. I believe she'll have three years of eligibility left. And she, uh, for Kansas, was an all Big 12 um, caliber player. She is a middle blocker, so she's tall, but um, not as tall as some of the other Badger players. So that could be you know, hard when, again, you're competing against somebody who is six foot nine. But um, Crawford looked really, really good in the spring um, up there blocking, had a couple really good games on the attack as well. Seems like a good sort of uh, confident, efficient hitter. And in sort of a little wrinkle, she had some really good service as well. Uh, you don't always get that. A ton of the tallest players aren't always the best servers on the team, but Crawford was able to um, sprinkle in a few aces during play and really had a lot of uh, matches under her belt this spring. So I um, would say that the transfer, she transferred from Kansas to Wisconsin almost right after Can uh, Wisconsin, sorry, had won the title. And, you know, I've kind of thought she might just be a piece for um, a little bit of reassurance possibly with uh, Danielle Hart, another senior who tried, or unfortunately had an uh, ACL injury last year. She opted back in for a fifth year this season and will be hopefully being able to play for the red and white later on in the season and really provide a lot of senior leadership. But Caroline Crawford might be somebody who surprises some Badger uh, fans. You know, you mentioned Julia Orgel, kind of that leg injury. She didn't play in this spring season, correct? I, I believe I read that she kind of just held out because of those kind of maybe coaching staff wanting to hold her back and not tweak anything with those lingering kind of leg issues. Yeah. So, you know, she played a little bit earlier on um, and actually in different roles. At one point, she even wore the libero jersey sort of playing as one of the defensive pieces. Um, we saw a bit last year that she was really capable defensively. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, they're trying to make sure that she's well rested and adjusted after those injuries. She definitely was not as active, um, later on in the couple spring games. So maybe she was feeling some effects and decided to play later, but she should be good to go by all accounts right now, um, for the start of the fall season. That's great to hear. I know you mentioned it earlier, you know, the, those, some of those players going to step into kind of that that star player role, but it seems like still those names that you rattled off all somewhat familiar and, and, and uber talented to where this team should you know, be able to hit the ground running and, and play with uh, a ton of confidence. But speaking of confidence, they wrapped up a 4-0 spring season recently. Sounds like everybody got some work on the court, which we're talking about. I know a lot of people we were talking about before we started recording think to spring football, you know, you want to get reps in for everybody. You want to work in some younger guys. 
but that's kind of the same situation for spring volleyball. It's not necessarily you're trying to go out and, and dominate every game and win it. You're trying to figure out what you want to have your team for next fall when that when those games start to count. So in terms of this short little 4-0 spring season, what were some of the things and, and some positives that you learned about this team? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the um, positives that will also end up being a question for the team is the setter position. Um, you know, Sydney Hilly is not able to have another year of eligibility uh, this year, um, and she'll be gone. I think she's playing professionally now, just like uh, Dana Redke is. But the big question there will be who will be setting up the game. I mean, you know, they're the point guard, quarterback, whatever you want to use as that term, but they're going to be touching the ball if you're running your offense correctly, every single possession. And those two candidates right now, um, one is a much more familiar name to some Badger fans is Izzy Ashburn. She often played as a serving specialist, kind of would come in, serve really well, and get back out onto the bench. And another uh, younger player, MJ Hamill, uh, who hadn't had a ton of time, but it was sort of a backup setter to Sydney Hilly, um, actually played a little bit during the uh, 2021 spring season um, when uh, there were some players out with COVID for the Badgers. Um, they had a really good battle throughout the season and it wasn't necessarily, I, I'm sure it was a battle and uh, Sheffield would be able to know a lot more, the Sheffield and coaching staff, sorry, would know, be able to know a lot more about sort of the pros and cons. But when I was read up stats and see highlights, they all looked pretty good and pretty about even to the point where Actually, at one point during the, um, I think it was the third game, which would have been, I believe, against Marquette, they used a system where you kind of would have different setters come in during different rotations. So at one point, MJ Hamill, as soon as she would leave the court, Izzy Ashburn would come in. And that's not super common at this level of volleyball. A lot of times, it's the one setter. So it could just be an interesting wrinkle that Kelly Sheffield was trying out. But I also think that it shows that there's a lot of faith in whoever will be the setter next season um, for the Badgers between Ashburn and Hamill. Um, another note, you know, as I said, there, there just always seems to be a plethora of options on the attack, but on the defensive side, a lot of different players um, were kind of not necessarily competing, but wearing the libero Jersey and not looking out of place. Jocelyn Boyer is probably the most likely back row player to step into another bigger role this season. She had, um, played pretty uh, regularly for Wisconsin and was able to wear the libero jersey when uh, Lauren Barnes or Gio Chavita were out, um, uh, mostly Chavita, um, but there was, I think, one game when she rotated in for Barnes or she was just playing more with the Chavita's injury. But Jocelyn Boyer was a transfer from Iowa. She played libero um, her first two years at Iowa, so she definitely has some experience um, but she will definitely be one of the main defensive cogs for Wisconsin. Um, there are still some questions to be asked, um, you know, but I also think another one of them is the serving is going to be good no matter what. And I think Boyer is a key part of that. I mentioned Crawford was able to play pretty well from serve, but Ashburn, Hamill, Orschel at different points were getting some aces down um, in the spring. And I think that it's already trending a little bit better at the start of this season. Um, just judging by the way that they've been playing. That was kind of sometimes one of the Badgers' Achilles heels, a lot of service errors. seems that they've gotten those a little more under control with a lot more aces and tougher serves. I know you just kind of mentioned it, but the, the 
the different rotation and, and you're right up you've mentioned kind of a 6-2 rotation gets Marquette back to a 5-1 so is that kind of what you meant in terms of rotating that that sort of change up that isn't common um in this level of volleyball yeah exactly um I am not the best person to uh know all of the nitty-gritty details about it it's kind of like I understand what a 3-4 versus a 4-3 is mm-hmm. but I couldn't necessarily tell you like all of the minute details but the idea of the 6-2 is that you have a lot more attacking options while uh, subbing out your setters for a setter. Um, that kind of allows you to have another attacking player on the floor because otherwise normally the setter just stays on the floor the whole time. So kind of that might be able to keep yeah. players fresher on the attack as well as the setters. Um, but obviously then it might be a little bit different because maybe one setter likes to be you know, have the ball somewhere else. So there's all kinds of pros and cons to it. But the main idea is the fact that you would get possibly two setters on the floor, which is not really something that you see a lot in college volleyball and definitely not recently at Wisconsin. It could just be another tool or it could just be, you know, something to keep in the back pocket if you're really down and looking to make a difference if you're Kelly Sheffield. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, when you're talking about spring seasons, kind of just working on different players and, and different things, that's probably the, the best time to do it. I know you kind of hit on this question a little bit already, but in terms of now that spring's over, we talked about kind of things that stood out. What do you think is maybe the top priority for Kelly Sheffield to, to go to the now and try and figure out? Because I know you kind of get a look at the team in that brief season. What do you think is maybe the burning thing for him to try and get wrapped up and, and nailed down before fall? Yeah, you know, definitely it would be deciding who necessarily the starting setter would be. Um, That would be a key thing. It would determine probably uh, if Ashburn is playing more of a defensive and serving specialist, it'll probably affect a lot of the rotation. So nailing down who that will be, that'll be a really big battle to watch for volleyball fans. And, you know, I mentioned Jocelyn Boyer in the back row. Um, I haven't mentioned one of the freshmen who is yet to come in. Uh, she's a libero from Turkey. Name is Gulce Guchtekin. I really hope I'm not saying that wrong, but she looks like an absolute dynamo as a libero. And a lot of people have speculated she might be the penciled in uh, defensive top player for the Badgers um, even before she steps on campus. Um, so that'll be a really interesting question to see and kind of the timing of that obviously Jaws and Boyer will definitely have something to say about it but there will probably still be a competition for who's on the back row as well um and you know mentioning transfers there's still a lot of action going on uh in the volleyball transfer portal as it is with all sports nowadays uh as everybody knows now as a Badger (laughs) fan um but you know one interesting thing uh is the Badgers are bringing in a transfer named Sarah Franklin who played for Michigan State last year at outside hitter. Uh, she was good enough to be named to the all Big Ten team last year. So that'll be an interesting key to plug in with that transfer um, in uh, Lauren Jardine, uh, one of the outside hitters. She was a freshman, played a little bit last year. She decided to transfer out. Um, and another big name that just recently entered the portal is a Nebraskan player whose name is Keonile Akana who if Badger fans might remember that name, it's because she was an absolute menace when we played against Nebraska in the Badgers. And, you know, Kelly Sheffield might be seeing if somebody would want to come from Lincoln to uh, Madison in that case. Um, I certainly, if I was 
a player or a coach would be at the borderline NBA tampering stuff because I think she's incredibly talented and would be an absolute addition to the Badger team. It just would be a matter of where she gets to fit in. Um, and, you know, I'm, I know I'm kind of getting a lot of questions as I'm trying to, you know, kind of finish this out. But I think the other question, too, is another freshman coming in um, at the uh, up front for Wisconsin. You know, they have one player in the back row, one player in the front row. Her name is Ella Robel. Um, she was one of the top play. She was the top player in Illinois last season. Um, and she is another super tall outside hitter, kind of in a similar vein of Grace Loberg. And she looks like she has a rocket arm and could make a difference when she steps on campus too. You know, it's a good problem to have for Coach Sheffield. It's a lot of options. It's figuring out where to put all of them. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing, um, you know, as they look to defend the title, the figuring out the setter, figuring out who exactly the libero would be and maybe exploring the transfer market a bit more and seeing where some of those newer attacking options are really going to play and how many minutes they're going to get going forward. Well, those are the burning questions, and and I think thankfully for Wisconsin fans, I, you've got maybe the top one of the top volleyball coaches across the country, and Kelly Sheffield heading up, and and he's getting paid the big bucks to figure out those answers. And coming off a national championship, I feel like you got to trust that he's going to have that uh, answer to that formula and and be able to figure it out. And the nice thing is, he's got plenty of time. There was still a little bit away, but we as we've talked about on the podcast before and talked about with Big Ten volleyball incredibly tough league and will certainly be no different again this year. All right, Brevin, thank you very much for, for hopping on. It was great to kind of get caught up on, on what's going on in the volleyball world. We really appreciate it. I know our listeners will be excited to listen to this one and, and kind of hear about this new era that's kind of starting up for Wisconsin volleyball. Yep. It looks like though this era will just be as hopefully as good as the next or last one. And there, you know, we could talk about multiple defending champions as Let's we go our, on in the future. <laughs> exactly. Let's keep our fingers crossed for that. It'd be exciting time for Wisconsin volleyball. The program just continues to click and, and thrive at a high level. And, and I would expect uh, that they'll continue. Maybe not. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed that it's another national championship, but uh, certainly one of the top teams in the country through year in and year out is, is an expe- expectation that Badger fans have, have rightfully kind of garnered. Yeah. Right, and Badger. hopefully we'll oh, get yeah, a statue ahead. for Dana Radke too. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. That should be there. Uh, maybe one for Barnes, maybe one for Hilly. Well, just have the whole thing there. Put there you go. Somewhere. <laughs> hey, it's a volleyball school. That's, that's what, we, that's what we've got. Volleyball you know, school. But Dana Radke. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you at the top. And you said, uh, one of the best Badger athletes all right, of all time, you know, a, a Mount Rushmore of Wisconsin athletes. Dana Redke is one of those four phases, no doubt yep. in my, in my mind. So that'll be, she, that's an interesting uh, podcast topic. Maybe we should have the, uh, do a, a panel of Mount Rushmore of, of, of Wisconsin Badgers and, uh, and have that debate. But I think that's oh, one that's certainly, certainly concrete and knocked down. So a great off season plan. There you go. There you go. We're going to be getting into the summer here. We, we need some topics, but all right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed us uh, talking to volleyball. It's great to be uh, get working all the sports in here in the summer months. So thank you, as always, for listening on Wisconsin.